our speakers today are on their way to the Philippines. They've they've been here at Grace Church for many years, I'm sure. Alan actually used to teach at Grace Community School, and that's where I first met him. And um, we're just thrilled to have them, you know, and be sending them out to the Philippines. And we're thrilled that they are at their support level where they can go. And this is very exciting. I guess you have a departure date of April 26th? 29th. Oh, 29th. Okay, but that's, that'll come up very quickly. So why don't you come up and tell us about yourselves and about the ministry the Lord has for you. All right. Well, good morning. It's uh, or afternoon, I guess. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, before we start, um, if you would like to be added to our email list, I'll just go ahead and pass out our uh, uh, our iPad. All you need to do, if you would like to be added to our email list, is type in your name, your email address, and your first and last names in the field, and then just tap the Add Me button. And that will get you subscribed to our email list, uh, so you can be up to date with uh, prayer requests and keep uh, uh, up to date with uh, events in the ministry. So I'll just go ahead and pass this to this table, and you guys can just uh, pass them around. Thank you. Well, uh, like uh, Jill mentioned, uh, my name is Alan. This is my wife Sandy, and uh, it is a pleasure to uh, be with you. Let me just. Uh, this afternoon, uh, and really, like I said uh, earlier today, um, we just wanted to share with you a testimony of God's sovereign grace uh, in uh, in getting us here and sending us out to the Philippines. Um, here's a picture of our family. Uh, that's me and my wife. Uh, our three boys. This is Jacob. He is uh, four years old. Trevor is uh, two and a half, and Noah was born on January 11th. So he's just a couple months old. Um, when we uh, first decided that uh, we wanted to go to the Philippines, we didn't have any kids. So three kids later, now we're, we have a full family heading uh, overseas. But uh, just to give you a little background, um, I was actually born in the Philippines, um, born in a, to a Catholic family in a Catholic country, um, went to Catholic kindergarten, preschool. Uh, even after my family moved here, I finished high school in, uh, in, in a Catholic high school in, in, in Southern California. Uh, and it wasn't until my senior year in college, uh, my last quarter at UCLA, that I got saved. And by God's grace, uh, God put some people in my life uh, who, uh, who were believers. And while they tried to witness to me uh, several times, uh, those witnessing events really turned out into arguments and debates. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, God put some trials in my life that I saw, it, it's not so much what they told me, but what I saw in their lives that, uh, that, that, that got my attention. Um, my Christian friends, unlike most of my other friends, were genuinely happy and they were genuinely content and uh, they had a peace about them, and that was really what drew me to uh, start visiting their Bible study. And by God's grace, uh, uh, by spring of the year 2000, um, I got saved. Uh, it was through the Navigators Bible Study at Grace Commun- at, at UCLA, and uh, it was from a specific uh, the, the the Bible 
uh, study leader preached on uh, uh, Luke seven forty seven, uh, the night that I got saved, uh, where Jesus uh, was had had a meal at a Pharisee's house, and uh, there was a sinful woman, most likely a prostitute, who came in, washed Jesus' feet with uh, with her tears, dried them with their hair, and Jesus said uh, she loves much, for she has been forgiven much. And it was at that time that God opened my eyes to see that, you know, I was a sinner in need of grace, that I, there was nothing I could do to earn God's salvation, there was nothing I could do to make myself right with the Lord, and that's precisely why Jesus Christ came uh, to, to live his life and to offer himself as a sacrifice, because we could never on our own uh, attain the righteousness of God. It is only by grace and only by the work of Jesus Christ. And from then on, that was around 2000, uh, I got plugged in at Grace Community Church uh, about a year later, and since then, um, this has been my home. And Sandy's going to share her testimony now. Hello. Um, I was um, born and raised in California. Um, I was raised in a Christian um, family. Um, we attended church regularly. Um, at six years old, in our Sunday school room, I remember they told us all to bow our heads and um, to raise your hand if you've never asked Jesus into your heart. So I thought, oh, I've never done that, so I raised my hand. Um, I said a little prayer. They gave me a little piece of paper with the date. You know, you're now saved. Um, and um, I kept that paper all the way until um, I started college, when I started questioning my salvation. Um, I was a very much like a Pharisee. Um, I like to be obedient. Um, I like to please others. Um, my understanding of the gospel was more um, checklist. Um, read your Bible, go to church, um, do good. And so I had all these thought, okay, I've, I've done all these things. Um, I compared myself to others, and I was better than most, so I thought I was okay. Um, I remember reading the verse in the Bible um, from 1 John 1. Um, that if you think you're without sin, you're a liar. And so I remember reading that, and I thought, well, this verse right here says that I do have sin, but for the life of me, I couldn't really tell you how I was a sinner. I was completely blind. Um, so then in, um, in college, um, a friend invited me to attend the Bible study at COC, College of the Canyons, um, and he also attended church here. So I started going to Bible study, um, mostly for social reasons, um, to have friends from church. Um, they were going through the topic of election. That was their series they were going through. I had never heard the term, but that brought up the whole thing of depravity of man. No one questioned my salvation, but um, I remember being very angry because um, I thought I was good enough. And now here was this whole thing about election. No, you're not good enough. Um, so it was at that time that I... Um, that God saved me. Um, and so then I got plugged in and I started attending Crossroads. Um, Alan and I met um, at Grace Church here. Um, we were in different ministries. Um, we had a, a friend, um, Bernie, and um, he, she was a family friend of Alan's. And um, he shared the gospel with her and she got saved. So we brought her to church. Um, she didn't know anybody here at church 
except for him. So he um, introduced her to some ladies, so he would have some friends that were girls. Um, and I was part of that group. So it was through her. Um, she spoke very highly of Alan, so I learned about Alan through her and her testimony about him. Um, she had high respect for him. Um, and she kind of she helped kind of bring us together. <laughs> um, she, I remember she asked me a question once. She's like, oh, I have the perfect guy for you. Um, I'm not going to tell you who, you know. She's all, but I have two questions. She's all, what do you think of guys that aren't your race, and what do you think of short guys? <laughs> so, so I knew who she was talking about. <laughs> and um, and uh, I remember one of the earliest conversations me and Alan had um, was after an evening service. It was actually in the night he asked for my phone number. Um, and um, he, they came up, because I'm like, oh, you're in seminary? He had just started seminary. And I'm like, what do you want to do? You know? And he's like, oh, I, maybe being a missionary. And I thought, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Cause it, but at that time, it was just a, an idea. You know? um, I had always wanted to, I wanted to be involved in ministry full-time. I never had a desire for a certain career, um, but I knew being a woman, that would look different. So um, I wanted to, one of my desires was to be married to a man who was in full-time ministry. Um, and then we got married in 2006. Yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, for us, uh, yeah, Grace Church is really our home church. Uh, this was uh, the first church that we both attended uh, as believers. And uh, even early on, uh, this is something I just kind of came to mind recently, but uh, not long after I got saved, um, one of the kind of recurring prayers that I, that I, that I had uh, was that God would send uh, men from the Master Seminary and, and, and Grace Church to the Philippines. And this was years before I had even thought about seminary, uh, let alone going to the Philippines myself. Um, and many years later, uh, you know, as, as God had uh, um, opened up opportunities for me to get further involved at the Grace Community Church, I was involved with the, the Filipino Outreach Ministry here. Um, and I had a increasing desire to be involved in ministry, um, and uh, as I uh, part, Jill mentioned that I used to work at the Grace Community School. Um, the before that, I was working as a, as a web developer, and that's actually part of my salvation testimony. Is that back in the late '90s during the dot com boom? If you ladies remember. Um, companies were paying people who knew how to make websites a, a hefty amount of money, um, and, and I was happy enough to take some of that money um, when I was in college, and uh, that experience kind of brought, made it clear to me that I can have a lot of money, but life was, was, was very empty, and that's actually some of the things that God had used to kind of draw me to himself uh, and kind of reminded me of, of my Christian friends uh, who, although their, their careers weren't quite as impressive as mine or at that time, uh, they were very 
content and genuinely happy with their lives. And so I started checking out their Bible study, visiting their Bible study until uh, God opened my eyes to hear the gospel and understand the gospel and repent of my sins. And from then on, um, I realized that my whole motivation for work, to to work in, in my career back then, was just my idolatrous love of money. And once that idol was taken care of, I didn't really have a desire to, to be in my industry anymore. Uh, and uh, I had talked to a friend of mine who was in seminary about uh, possibly going to seminary, uh, and he recommended that since my previous line of work was basically me in front of a computer uh, writing code all day, uh, that it would be good to see if I could get a job where I was interacting with more people. And by God, God's sovereignty, uh, Grace Community School had a opening for a computer lab teacher, and so I applied, and I enjoyed it. It was a great challenge, and two years after uh, teaching at grade school, I started seminary. And as far as uh, the call to the ministry, call to the Philippines, it was very gradual. I mean, being Filipino, knowing that, and I understand the language, um, it was always in the back of my mind through seminary um, as a potential ministry uh, venue, but as I was uh, getting further and further along in, in, in seminary, the, the ministry opportunity in, in the Philippines became more and more concrete. It was right around that time, about halfway through seminary was when uh, Master's Academy um, started in the Philippines, and, uh, and I've started to develop a relationship with, with a missionary that's there, uh, Sean Ransom, and, uh, and it was just a natural fit. Uh, in, in 2009, uh, my wife and I... Um, we're able, we were able to go to the Philippines uh, to, to uh, where I taught a module, and that trip really cemented for us uh, the desire to to serve in the Philippines. More than anything else, um, it was just the seeing the 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 hunger of the pastors for training. Um, as we've interacted with pastors in the Philippines and even uh, missionaries who've served in the in, in the field for many years, uh, they consistently point to the lack of training as one of the you know, biggest threats that, that, that face the church in the Philippines. Um, I mean, if you look at Ephesians 4, for example, um, Paul lays out kind of God's church growth strategy, right? And it's built upon pastors, teachers, and evangelists who equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And as the saints, as the con- members of the congregation, are faithful to use their giftedness, their equipping uh, to do the one another's of Scripture. The church matures, and in Ephesians four, Paul gives us two marks of uh, two marks of a mature church. Uh, mature churches are marked with unity. They they have uh, they have common convictions about doctrine, and they also have discernment. They're not tossed here and there by every winds of doctrine, right? Well, in the Philippines, you see the exact opposite. Uh, you have churches that are big, but they're not as mature as they are big. You have churches that, in denominations that may have been around for, for a while, for about 100 years, but still, they're, the, the, the age of the church, the, the length of time that, that these churches have been around, again, is not indicative of their maturity level as, as, as a church. And so you have churches that are uh, replete with uh, divisions, um, and... Unfortunately, they follow all the latest church fads that come from the United States, and uh, and we're just eager to to 
provide this 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 crucial need in the Philippines because if you look at the, the, the that that structure that Paul lays out in Ephesians chapter four, uh, the the pastors and teachers who equip the saints for the work of the ministry that's the foundation right and then you have the two pillars of discernment and unity and that's where you have a a mature church but if you take away that foundational building block the the pastors and teachers who equip the saints for the work of the ministry because they themselves are ill-equipped for ministry then the whole structure uh crashes and that's what you have in the philippines and so in the philippines we are looking to help equip uh, pastors and teachers uh, to to lead the church. We are looking to serve uh, pastors um, through the Masters Academy International. Um, common question that has come up about TMAI is um, what are the ministry involvements of, of, of our students? Uh, are they kind of kind of like seminary here? Kind of young men who are aspiring to be pastors? Uh, for the most part, the men who are uh, taking our classes already are in ministry. Uh, so a lot of these men are, are full-time ministers. However, they may not have had, some of them may have only had one semester of Bible school. Uh, some of them may only have gone through high school, and some of them may not even have finished high school. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's uh, varying degrees of, of educational levels that we're looking at. And the level of training that we're offering right now is kind of comparable to what you would find, say, at the Lagos uh, Equipping Ministry here at Grace Community Church. So it's at a Bible Institute level, open to anybody. Uh, it's a two-year program, open to anybody, uh, and uh, we're looking to train um, and influence people uh, and pastors uh, who already are in ministry and just giving them the basics of, of, of how to study scripture, uh, uh, Bible survey, doctrine survey. And in a couple of years, um, we are looking to launch a second two-year program geared more to- more specifically towards preachers. Uh, and the, the hope is that the first two-year program will be the feeder to this second two-year program, which will be more exclu- exclusive to pastors, um, and where, where we can equip them more specifically towards expository preaching. Um, and, and so... It's been a it's been a a, a long process. Uh, it, it was in 2009 that we um, decided that that we wanted to go to the Philippines, and five years later, um, we're now able to. Uh, I can say with, with with great joy that we have our plane tickets. Uh, a lot of things still need to be in place before we can go. Uh, we are. We over the last uh, last week during Shepherd's Conference, I was able to meet with all of our supporting the pastors of our supporting churches, and we were able to schedule out a time to visit each one of them. Um, so between now and April 29th, when we leave, we'll be uh, visiting several churches in Southern California, visiting a church in Ohio, visiting two churches in Northern California. At the same time, packing our stuff, shipping our stuff, uh, getting all our paperwork done, and getting ordained, which is, uh, it's like a summary of seminary, uh, which is, and, uh, you know, Jill, you asked for prayer requests. Uh, it took me five years to get through seminary, and now I have six weeks to kind of cram all that in together and, uh, and uh, pass my ordination test. But 
as I was just looking, reviewing the, the, the ordination uh, packet, uh, one line uh, really stood out to me. And that is, it says that it is God's choice to serve, not yours. And God in his sovereignty, in um, his sovereign grace, uh, saved me out of uh, the false religion of Catholicism, the works righteousness religion of Catholicism, um, blessed me with uh, my suitable helpmate, planted me in this church uh, where faithful men from various ministries, from the Filipino outreach, uh, through the FOF classes I've taken, uh, the discipleship evangelism, if you guys remember that, that, that ministry, uh, many men have invested their lives in me. And that's not even counting the seminary. And that's not even counting the, the master's college uh, where uh, Sandy was trained uh, with uh, biblical counseling. So much has been entrusted to us. And now we are looking to uh, go to the Philippines and be faithful to Second uh, Timothy 2.2. Uh, which says that the, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, just as the faithful men invested their lives in me, uh, we are looking to invest our lives in men who are uh, faithful, men who will be able to lead our Lord's church. And just some uh, reflections of, of, of what God has taught us uh, through this extended uh, support raising time. Um, when I started working at Grace Community School, um, I'm sure many of you guys remember uh, Tom Pennington. Uh, he did a, an orientation for the new, new hires back then. And one of the things that he said that I didn't understand at the time, but it has proven to be very true, uh, was he warned us about the idolatry of ministry. How ministry itself can easily become an idol. And the length of time that it has taken us to raise support, five years, really was the length of time that it has taken me to learn the lesson that God wanted me to learn and to see how I have indeed made an idol out of ministry. And God had to break me of that and lead me to repentance. And really, I can, I can trace the, 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 the moment when all of a sudden our support started to come in uh, right, around, right around Shepherd's Conference last year uh, to the point where that was when God convicted me of this sin and, 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 and broke me of this sin and led me to repentance of this sin. And from that point on, because uh, by last year, uh, right around Shepherd's Conference last year, we were still in the mid-30s, 35% of our support level. But since then, God has supplied everything else that's needed and, and then some. Um, and so... Just some lessons learned through support raising. Uh, yeah, God is patient. God is so patient in that he took his time to allow me to see my own sin, to allow me to be broken of the sin, to allow me to repent of the sin uh, before he would send us. And I'm so thankful for that because were we to have gone to the field with me not repenting of the sin, that would be... Like Paul said, that would, that would be, uh, uh, that would lead me to, to, to crash. That would be devastating. Uh, but God, the, 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 the amount of time that he has taken us to raise support is, is a testimony of God's, to God's patience. God's patience, his grace. Um, I am no more, 
aware than I am now of how undeserving I am of this ministry, of this privilege. You see, the privilege that, that, that God has us involved in is something that is near and dear to our Savior's heart. Jesus loves his church and gave himself up for his church. Yet now we have the privilege of joining our Savior in building up his church by training his under-shepherds, by training the men that he has called from the Philippines and equipping them. It's, it's a great privilege. Um, and one of the greatest lessons I've learned uh, through this is just the beauty of our Lord's church, the beauty of our Lord's church. Um, one of the highlights of, of, of visiting churches and, and, and speaking in different churches is we get a slice of life into a local church. Uh, normally, when we are invited to, a, to present at a church, somebody from uh, that local body would host us, and uh, we get to see into their lives. We get to see into the leadership of the church. We get to see into the worship, uh, the, 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 the body dynamic of, 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 a, of a local uh, like-minded church, and that has been a huge blessing for us. Um, it's kind of like a, something that... It's, it's a distinct privilege that we have, uh, being able to, to worship with several churches and, and, and just getting a slice of, slice of their life, knowing that some of, many of these people we, we don't know or we may just only meet, meet very, very, uh, in, in only passing ways, but these are brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who hold to the very common convictions that we have about Scripture, about who God is, and it is... A privilege to 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 uh, to worship with them and, and to see how our Lord is working uh, through through His church and uh, and now Sandy is going to come up and uh, share some of the things that she has learned uh, from this process. Um, so when me and Alan started dating and got married, um, he was in seminary and. I knew missions was an option, um, so I understood that. Um, and it wasn't until 2009 when um, we really decided that we were going to go and we're going to start raising support. Um, and once and so once that happened, all sorts of new emotions came up. Um, so he graduated from seminary 2009, and. Um, and then I, we decided around that same time that we were start raising support to go to the missions, um, to, be, to go to the Philippines. Um, I also found out I was pregnant with our first child. Um, so all of a sudden, although I had always wanted to be a helpmate to someone involved in full-time ministry, when it became real, I had all these fears. I had never, I was working full-time, so now I didn't know how to be a, a wife at home. I didn't know how to raise a kid. And... Now I had to do this in a whole new context and overseas, and so I, it was very overwhelming. <laughs> and, um, and so different emotions and worries and anxieties came up. Um, once we started raising support, um, Alan got a full-time job. He started working at Children's Hunger Fund. Um, and so having a full-time job while raising support um, was um, an extra challenge, um, going to work all day, coming home. Um, Sometimes he would have an extra web design job on the side. Um, 
and then we had a new family so then helping with the family and then he was exhausted and then that was our time to raise support and um, so like it was um it was hard to figure all that out um, it was two or three years of raising support that we were only about at 10% of our support um, and it was funny and various things came up during this process um, it was very easy to compare ourselves to others um, seeing other missionaries um, we started the support raising process with the Padals who were on the field for several years, the Malikas. Um, and so seeing them, oh, they're official missionaries and they're over there and we're still here. And um, comparing ourselves to others and, oh, look, they did theirs in a year and a half and what's, oh, what's wrong with ours? And, and we did lots of comparing. Um, and um, it was funny. Um, and then thinking, oh, we don't have the right personality for raising support. You need to be dynamic and outgoing and, you know, kind of like salesmen. And I'm like, that's not our personality at all. <laughs> and um, Alan's, um, Alan's job, Children's Hunger Fund, had this, like, work survey, kind of a group that came into the company. And they interviewed each employee and kind of did kind of a psychological kind of analysis of them. And they said, based upon your personality, you're wired for this job. And so they did, they did one for Alan, and they said, okay, basically, you, you know, you're really good at sitting behind a desk and working. The, he's all, but if one thing you're really bad at is fundraising. Never go into fundraising. <laughs> oh, when, when he came home and told me that, I was so happy. I was like, oh, no wonder why it's so hard for us, you know? <laughs> um, but um, there's a couple things I learned. One was my role as his helpmate. Um, so it was very easy to kind of look, oh, look at them, you know, they did it in a year and a half, and I think it's because they contacted, you know, all these pastors, and so let's really, the, let's write this many letters every day, and, you know, let's make, oh, make sure, oh, it's time to send out a newsletter, make sure we do our newsletter, and um, realizing I was trying to be more of a nag and trying to kind of rule over him rather than coming alongside and helping him. So um, learning my way is how I can help him um, as his wife. Um, and one way I thought was um, really exciting. So I was um, I graduated from master's college with my MABC, um, master's in biblical counseling. And um, since we've been hanging out for five years, um, the college I guess I'm on a list of graduates. Um, and so they contacted me and said, "Hey, you're in the area. Are, can you counsel?" And I thought, "Well, I guess so." So I started counseling some people, and. Um, only to find out, like, studying about biblical counseling and actually putting it to practice is very different. And I thought, oh, wow, this is really hard. And so I started, um, so I applied for the, um, I started the NANC certification process, um, National Association of Muthetic Counselors, which they now changed their name, um, ACBC. Um, but mainly because you get paired up with a mentor. So you get paired up with, um, like, a they call them a NANC fellow. I don't know what they're called now. But, um, and so every time I counsel, I write up my report, and I send it to my mentor. And so he reads it over, and he critiques it, and then we talk on the phone, and he tells me what I did good or what maybe what area I can change. And um, so it was so helpful. I thought, wow, this is great, you know? And um, when I start something, I like to finish it. And um, you have to do 50 hours um, you have one year to complete 50 hours of counseling. I started last April. And um, some of my hours from 
at the master's college count towards it. Um, but as we started to get into support raising, even last fall, um, Alan was working full full time, um, just commuting to work and commuting back. And um, for me to counsel, he had to stay at home, help watch the kids, um, and I would leave. And just seeing the extra burden for me to continue counseling um, for was on him. Um, I thought, no, this. I'm I'm your helper, and I'm not helping. I felt like we were going in two different directions. He's re- trying really hard to get to the Philippines, and I'm like, oh, let's you know, let's put aside you know all this time every week so that I can complete this certification. So um, last fall, I decided, um, no, I I want to stop the certification process because I don't think it's. Oh, I was pregnant too with um, with Noah, and so being pregnant and tired. It, added to it so I couldn't help as much and um, so Alan was like no you can keep going I thought no I really feel like I'm going against what I'm supposed to do so um, so he said okay so we stopped and um, and oh and so my year is going to expire in the end of this month and I have 12 more hours I need and um, so but the exciting thing is I've been totally at peace with it because I really think that I was supposed to help Alan during that time. Um, but the mentor said, I can extend my year. I can extend it for $30, and I can have one more full year to complete my hours and still get my certification. Um, so I just found this out. And um, so I think it's a beautiful blessing that even though I chose to stop and help Alan, um, I, for $30, I can have a whole other year. <laughs> and, um, and it's all through phone, so I can, um, we can Skype with my mentor, who's in Arizona. And, um, and also, I think it'll help me, too, when we move to the Philippines, to have more of the mindset of, okay, I have to start looking for ministry opportunities um, to complete my hours, you know? Because without it, I think I might be, okay, no, I'm, I really need to learn the culture first and, you know, figure out how to get to the grocery store and have more of the, okay, let's, I'll, I just want to be served for a while. So even the blessing of having the, to finish this I think will help in my mindset of adjusting to the Philippines. Um, so I thought that was good. Um, and so some of the fears kind of reappear. And I was thinking of how to, to, how to illustrate it. Um, it's kind of like a spiral. So I've had different, I had, a, I had one set of fears when we first decided to be missionaries. Um, and now once we bought the tickets, a whole new set of fears came up. <laughs> So I'm like, well, I kind of know how to be a mom now, you know? So the fears I had before are gone, but now I have these new fears, you know? And, um, and sometimes people say, well, what are your fears? And so I'll start listing them, and they'll try to explain them away, you know? Well, you don't have to be worried about that, because this is how it works, you know? But um, fears aren't rational. So, um, but when I start thinking about them and listing them, it's kind of like a spiral, and I start to get more anxious and more overwhelmed and more fearful. But in the same way, um, to change my thinking, um, I just see the importance of really being grounded in the scriptures, um, to knowing the promises of God in the scriptures. Um, Because then even with the past few um, weeks in the first part of um, Every Woman's Grace from Hebrews about faith and hope and the example. So when, and it comes down to, do I really believe in the sufficiency of scripture? Um, Because right here in the Bible, you know, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, if the Lord really is my shepherd, you know, it says 
that I shall not want. I'll be content in him, in his provision, his protection, his promises. I'm not going to want answers to all this. <gasps> I don't know. You know, I want answers to the unknown. Um, I want to control the uncontrollable. <laughs> you know, I want, um, as I adjust, I want to know exactly where I'm going. And, and um, but right there it says, do I believe that? And so, um, I'm really putting on like, and then we're going through Ephesians 6. We attend doulos in between visiting churches. And um, they've been going through Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. So just the, um, the victory and putting on the armor of God. And in the same way that I can spiral if I start listening and thinking about all my fears, the same way I can come to peace and contentment when I really start meditating on the scriptures and the promises of God. Um, and, you know, Hebrews 6 um, anchoring my soul in Christ, um, and believing, um, Psalm 23, um, that goodness and mercy shall pursue me. And someone explained that the word pursue is like a lion pursuing its prey. So just seeing how much that God will pursue me with mercy and peace. And, um, Alan said, well, don't, well, God, had, look at all the way God's provided for us here, you know? Don't you think God is the same God here as he is in the Philippines, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So just seeing my disbelief and... Um, so even though all these fears come up, um, when I get solidified in Scripture, it brings me peace. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And, uh, well, last... Uh, uh, yeah, Jill asked me to share some prayer requests, and like Sandy said, it, we're past being overwhelmed with support raising. Now we're <laughs> being overwhelmed by just having to move in less than two months and everything that entails. Uh, there's not a lot of margin for error in the schedule that we have. Uh, and so we just covet your prayers for... Um, yeah, in the sense, just the logistics that you know, uh, that uh, I think just our, our, our visit time with the churches, and th- th- that's a privilege. Uh, last Sunday, we started visiting our supporting churches, and there's a, a church plant that meets at UCLA that that is supporting us. You know, they're a church plant; they support us whenever they can, and it has just. I think it, Sandy uh, and I were talking about it, and it was just a blessing too. In a sense, almost like have closure and just kind of say our farewells to to these people who have been praying uh, with us, praying praying for us, and and supporting us. And so, if you can just be in prayer that uh, yeah, that our time with our supporting churches would be um, sweet and honoring to the Lord, uh, and that uh, even in the chaos of all things <laughs> that are just kind of happening that are on the schedule uh, that uh, we would keep our focus on on, on God because uh, even this whole thing of everything that needs to happen just at the right time kind of reminds me that uh, that I'm not God and God is God uh, for, 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 for finite creatures like us when you have you know four or five things happening at the same time it can get it gets pretty overwhelming and it just kind of gives me idea of well, for, for God, who is 
sovereign over all things at all time, who knows every single thing, and it doesn't overwhelm him. Uh, that's amazing. And so just to help us, if you can just pray that we would have that conviction that we're not in charge, God is. Uh, we may be overwhelmed, but God isn't. Uh, the schedule may be tight, but it's in God's perfect time. Uh, so to just trust in him in, in everything. Uh, and yeah, that uh, in everything that we do from here on out through the Philippines, uh, that our focus would be to, to glorify Christ. Thank you. Pleasure to give you this beautiful quilt, quilt made by the ladies at Every Woman's Grace. And I don't know if you'll be trying to keep warm or trying to wipe sweat <laughs> off of your faces, but Thank you. take that with you and let it be a reminder that um, we love you guys and we'll be praying for you. And, um, you know, just let us know if you have extra, you know, prayer requests that maybe are even urgent and we will pray. And we'll pray for you right now. And if you'd like to talk to, Alan and Sandy. Where are they going to be planted in the Philippines? What city? Oh, oh, we'll be in Manila. Okay. Well, no, thank you. Okay. Yeah, we'll be joining the Ransoms, the Dexters, and the Greens. Got a mission for you. We'll talk about Okay. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to ask them more questions, you can go ahead and do that afterwards, okay? Lord, we're just so thankful to you for Alan and Sandy, and um, we know you are sovereign, Lord, and you've worked in their hearts and um this is all part of your plan and your providence and we thank you for that lord and we thank you that you are as ellen says just so incredible that all of these things that would be overwhelming to us you control and um it's nothing for you lord and we thank you for that and just that we can rely on you and trust in you and Lord, we just pray that you would have your hand on Alan as he's preparing for this ordination during a very busy time. And we know that that requires a lot of study because those elders can ask him anything. And we just pray that you would um, help him to study the parts that they're going to ask about and um, just help him to just to um, be able to have a good understanding of your word so that when he's questioned, he would be able to answer in all sureness and sincerity. And um, we just pray that you would help him to pass with flying colors, and we pray that you'd have your hand on them as they pack their things and prepare to move, and just pray that you would keep them healthy and their sweet boys healthy as well, and just pray that it would all go as smoothly as possible, Lord. And we just pray that you would help them to arrive safely, and um, I believe they're going to stay in the Ransom's home for a little bit, and we thank you for that. We just pray that you would um, just help them. I'm sure Alan will have an easier time adjusting than Sandy, and we just pray that Sandy will adjust quickly and that she will learn to love it there and um, that she'll probably say, what? Culture shock? What are you talking about? <laughs> if that would be your will, Lord. We just pray that you would ease them into that. And we pray that the boys also would adjust quickly and that they would have wisdom on where to put them into school and um, in the future. And, and just um, 
where the best place would, would be for them as well. And we pray that you'd give Sandy wisdom as she desires to complete this counseling degree, Lord, and just pray that you provide those who might be able to be counseled by her. And we just pray for their last couple weeks now, as they're going to, or not last couple weeks, but for their last remaining time as they're going around traveling and visiting with these different churches that are supporting and praying for them. And we just pray that this time would be sweet and would be an encouragement. And we pray for your blessing upon them as they do these travels. Please keep them safe, Lord, and um, well and healthy. And just pray that uh, you would give them an encouragement and give them joy as they begin this ministry for you, Lord. We pray. Amen.